Oh, yeah, you can hear the whistle. It means it's time to get to work. Welcome back to another edition of the Patriot Radio News Hour. We're live on this 20th day of May 2020, the year of our Lord, and the show is brought to you by the Patriot Trading Group, one of the oldest gold and silver hard asset companies still operating, probably the only one in America that does not have a complaint, which really is incredible. I mean, problems arise in any business, but it's how you handle them that makes us different. Call one 800 and find out for yourself. You can also head out to the World Wide Web at allamericangold.com. Uh, we've got news to comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. There's podcasting going on. You can also listen uh, on our YouTube channel. Go to Patriot Radio News Hour. You have to separate the words. There's actually two YouTubes. If you put Patriot Radio News Hour in one spot, you get uh, the old ones. But if you break it down and uh, spell it correctly, you get the uh, new YouTube site. So and you can find the shows there, and we appreciate that. We're live also here in Phoenix on KXXT 1010 AM Family Values Radio. Our producer, Ramon, who does the YouTube uh, podcasts, amazing. He always uh, adds a uh, emoji or icon or picture. I don't really know what the proper vernacular is for it in this day and age, but Ramon does a wonderful job. Jason and uh, his mother, Bernice, running the board uh, at 1360 KHNC. The Roar of the Rockies in Johnstown, Colorado. We are live there as well. I'm Eric Sederstrom and President, CEO of Patriot Trading Group, Joe Jaquent in front of me, and the lovely Arlene out front uh, taking care of the customers this morning. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing? Eric, how are you? Happy hump day out there to everybody. Another God, it's only Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) What a bummer. I thought it was Friday. (laughs) That happened to you last week, but it was the other way around. Well, every it was day. Wednesday, but it was actually Thursday. I'm a mess, dude. I am. So the uh, you don't go anywhere. I mean, I'm still kind of in coronaphobia. I mean, I went into a store, the first store I went into in eight weeks. So not that I'm saying anybody's going to get the virus. Not that I'm saying it's real or fake or whatever. But, you know, I'm uh, 60 years old and uh, like the movie uh, Casino. Well, I don't think the guy's going to rat on us and the... Uh, the old timer says, "Well, I think we're going to have to kill him because why risk it?" <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I'm uh, just working and I'm at home and I got plenty to do at home. I'm a I'm a master tinkerer. So you are. You always got to be doing something. I'm always tinkering with something. So well, I've got a sick, twisted, right wing tinfoil individual mind and. It needs to be occupied. That's right. <laughs> because otherwise it's just dangerous for everybody else. When I was a kid, you know, when they left me to my own devices, I tried to figure out how to blow everything up. <laughs> I mean, we actually plugged it. At one point we took an extension cord, took the end off, so you got two hot ends and hooked it to a car battery <laughs> and plugged it into the wall. Don't do this at Things home, by the way. not to do at home, children. <laughs> Yes, you're the kid that was playing with the gasoline and the matches growing up. Here's one, quickly. You never see, we do live radio, so you never know what you're going to say. By the way, we've got an incredible show for you. But growing up in my family, my brother and I were both tinkerers. Well, both my brothers and I. So my brother here, you guys, you electrical guys, um, my brother took a battery charger, you know, just the battery chargers, and he hooked the negative to the copper plumbing of the toilet. 
And then he made a little puddle of water in front of the toilet, and he stuck the positive icon into the puddle of water and turned on the charger. So when you get up in the middle of the night and stand in the puddle of water to relieve yourself, (laughs) when that stream of water hits the negative water that is attached to the copper pipe and it runs up your feet into, well, you can imagine where, it really hurts. (laughs) 1-800-951-0592 again. That was Don't try Eric Cedarstrom <laughs> in the laboratory with an electric charge. The things that you could do when we were little, you know, the, the original remote the original remote controls. This is the difference today. Kids are watching all this online. They don't do anything. The original remote controls, I mean, they were these things. They looked like these cell phones, big bricks, and you had to push the button, like, click, 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 you know, and the channel would go. It was motorized. It would go. Oh, like a rotary. Right. right. You could see the dial turn on the TV. <laughs> well, we figured out that when they first got rid of silver quarters in 64 was the last year. In 65, they went to the copper silver clads. That if you got a handful of those and you shook them really good, it created a radio frequency and it would change the channels not only at what your parents were watching, but also at the neighbor's house. <laughs> Again, sick, twisted thoughts. This, what does this have to do with gold and silver? Absolutely nothing. nothing. <laughs> so I just never know what we're going to do. Wow. Thank, wow. Thanks for tuning in today. So Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin yesterday is trying to defend the Trump administration's economic response to the pandemic facing pointed questions from one democratic senator i know you've all seen this but i thought it was interesting uh during the senate banking committee hearing and they did it by video conferencing by the way uh sherrod brown democrat out of ohio i don't know if you saw this pressed mnuchin on the white house push to rapidly open parts of the economy even as health care advisors have urged don't do it man don't do it don't hook that car battery to the extension cord. So anyway, they asked the question. Brown asked the question, how many workers should give their lives to increase our gross domestic product? Oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah. What's the answer to that? How many, the better question is, would you give your lives to feed your family? I would. I mean, I'm here every day. Me too. <laughs> All right, sorry about this. We'll get back to business after the message. Thank you for turning in today. We really appreciate it. Uh, you people are very valuable. We love all of you. Thank you for the support we've received in here. I mean, we, it amazes me that, you know, we get calls in here just about every day. I've been listening for a couple of decades, and we really we thank you. I mean, you know, you never know what you're going to hear on, on this show, and uh, I'm proud to have been a part of it and to get it going, and Joe's keeping it going, and, and I'm back working again, and I'm really having a good time. I mean, I'm born again. And, you know, everybody, I think everybody goes through a period in your life where you just get burned out. You know, I got burned out, and, and you sit around for four years, <laughs> you know, call your friends on Tuesday, let's play golf, and they're like, well, we're working. <laughs> you realize that uh, you should probably go back to work, and the worst part is, is that, uh, is that uh, your wife just hates to see you laying around. It'll it'll happen. And I've, I've seen retirement, ladies and gentlemen. I've met the enemy, and it is me. <laughs> they want to keep you busy. So it's, uh, I'll just say this. 
I've spoken to your wife while you were <laughs> quote unquote retired, yeah. and I got the Joe. You have to do something. <laughs> He's driving me crazy. They come home and look at you and they go, what did you do He calls me all the time. <laughs> what are you doing, honey? And she's like, I'm working. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? So anyway, I'm back now. Now she's not working. So she said this morning she could get used to this again. <laughs> like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, we, we really screwed the pooch here. Uh, Cudlow. Oh. Larry Cudlow. You know, he's Trump's uh, chief economic advisor. They're saying nobody. And I mean nobody can confidently invest in Chinese companies anymore. And that the U.S. needs to protect investors from the country's lack of transparency and accountability. Here comes the economic war, ladies and Germans. So, I mean, it's just a matter of time. The uh, anti-Chinese rhetoric is just growing on a daily... Yeah, I, I, I think we're going to jump right into this, right? The coronavirus, uh, as we get past that, the next thing we're going to shift gears into is back into kind of like the, the the whole China trade war thing, but now elevated to where the president is going to try to stop everybody from investing their funds in China, uh, investing in Chinese companies, allowing Chinese companies to list on our stock exchanges. I see this this whole trade war really turning into, you know, you talk about uh, the Great Depression, and, of course, one of the things they tell you in, in the false history books that you get at school, one of the things they tell you about the economics of the Great Depression was the smooth holly, the tariffs, was a big reason why the Great Depression was so much worse. And now you think about the world's largest trading partner. It's not us. No, no, no. That's the Chinese. The Chinese build more stuff and get, supply the world with everything, and we're essentially engaging in another one of these trade wars. Well, again, that's a, but how the, the only way out of the Depression was, was war. War. Was physical oh, yeah. war? Yeah. Is there any point to that anymore? Any point? When you could have an economic war instead? The economic wars are much more violent. You wipe the stores of the shells of Walmart out, and uh, the grocery stores, and I mean that's uh, that's the effect of, of physical wars. What they used to have, you know, there were shortages of everything. But the economic wars could have the very same outcome. But the only way we were able to pull the country out of the last depression. And again, these, this is the argument today. Are we in a depression or runaway hyperinflation? Are we? Uh, that is really the question. It's the question, and that's what every even yesterday arguing between Powell it, and it, uh, and it's it's starting to look like inflation. Well, right? yeah, that's, star- that's what it's starting to look like is what we're going to end up with all of this. We got a heck of a show for you today, so um, we're going to get cover a lot of business ends of things because it's time. It's time for you to really take a look at and at for yourself and to try to hypothesize the future of this country because, um, and again, we we don't claim to have the answers here. I mean, we're just trying to study the, the questions and try to figure out what the best way to go is for not only for all you people but for our families as well. Ian Bremmer, president and founder of the political risk consultancy Eurasia Group, warns that the coronavirus economic fallout is pushing the U.S. into a depression. So we'll put him in the depression camp. President Reagan said a recession is when your neighbor loses his job, and a depression is when you lose yours. Now that has changed. That was in the 80s. 
in the new millennium, a depression is when you lo- or a recession is when you lose your job, and a depression is when your wife loses hers. Right, that's right. Now you've got a depression. So Bremer said that while it doesn't have a technical definition the way the recession does, it is an open question. If the economy is headed into this downturn, a recession has been typically recognized as two consecutive quarters of economic decline. So we had one in the yeah, first yeah. quarter, right? We'll get one in the second quarter. So we will we will technically meet uh, the term for a recession with that's two straight quarters of negative GDP growth. So again, they don't have that simple mathematical figure to quantify a depression. So the depression is widely understood as something that is truly global, right? So, so the world. So in other words, if you had four straight, that that isn't the term for depression. No. Not yet. That's not what, so there's no measuring stick that way. They just say it's just a global event. You look at what we talked about yesterday, they said it's going to cost the globe $82 trillion. Right. Well, the Dow was down 400 yesterday. What is it, up 400? It's up 400 today. today. So these are just, you know, these, these incredible market movements are unparalleled. You, and, and believe it or not, it's not the where you think it is to match, to find out where the top 10 percentage stock movements like monday the great the great virus vaccine which we've had two mondays okay two different companies two mondays both of them now their stocks are on their ass. after we got off the air yesterday the moderna thing which was the eight people got blasted out of the water right they're calling for an sec investigation because they they had a stock offer it was almost delivered we're going to give you kind of fake news yeah, without any data to back it up, and then we're going to issue stock at the height, and and looks like that's a huge bust. But today, Facebook and Amazon are both at all time record highs. That's what's driving the market this morning. Well, again, a depression widely understood as something that is global. It has a real duration, and has a much greater impact economically on people's lives than a recession. Adding, there is without any question the current environment meets all of those requirements would call clearly a depression. He said global governments have to do a lot more than they are so far expected to fight soaring inflation, which he predicts will be in the double-digit low teens here in America by Christmas. So, I mean, and and this again... So, wait a minute. He's saying depression with soaring inflation. With soaring inflation. So, you know, you've got no 25% unemployment and prices skyrocketing. the, The depression of the 30s was a deflationary event, at least this is what we're told in our history books. Then you had the inflation of the 70s, and now he's saying we're going to get a, a combo? Well, here's a, a, a depression with hyperinflation. We're, we're facing unprecedented times, Joe, and this is what happens when governments touch things. So here's, here's the difference. See the president yesterday? Hey, we're in no hurry. We don't need another stimulus bill. Right. We don't even have all of this one out on the street. Which they don't. Right. The, here's what's going to happen when Wall Street starts looking around. The traders, by the way, are having, you know, the, the market gyrations are the best thing ever for traders. They love it. Either way, they don't care. But the bigger the move, the better. And they don't care either way. I'm not telling you that they they make just as much money, if not more, right, by talking down the economy while they've got shorts in place. Because the down movements are always a lot bigger than the up movements. Always. So this is the issue that we're facing today. If you go back to how do you match these percentages in history that we're seeing? Well, the top six, six of the top ten stock market movements are in the 30s. Yeah. 
Not the late 30s. And, and we're talking about ups and downs. Right, in the ups beginning, which is what exactly what we're seeing now. So this is, at the what and, and in the, the beginning of the 30s, you had hope. After the stock market crash at 29, so you had hope. And, ah, it's fine, and it's not the Florida real estate markets, right. and it's not the fact that all oh, the money is gold and silver and there isn't enough to go around, okay? They couldn't make $20 bills without a, a, a corresponding $20 gold piece. You know that. They were interchangeable. The money supply had to be the same. You had to be able to swap them. Same thing with dollars, silver dollars. You had to be able to swap them as well. So everybody wanted the money. It had incredible buying power, and nobody had it. So here you've got the uh, stimulus bills. The Democrats want to throw $3 trillion at everything you can even imagine. Well, you so, know what? Guess what? So it's starting to pick up pace now. So the Republicans are trying to, to wait. And, 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 and again, I've already educated you. They need this money before July 1st, or there's huge layoffs, and they're, and they're already starting. But this morning, this is a new development now. Fairfield, Alabama. It's the first, but not the last. A small city in Alabama, the first to file Chapter 9 bankruptcy. A step but uh, as they, well, they don't have any money because of the coronavirus. They actually filed last night in U.S. Bankruptcy Court. For the Northern District of Alabama, and again, this is a small town in Alabama. They got liabilities of up to ten million dollars. Uh, they've got eleven thousand residents there in Fairfield, and they're 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 bankrupt. And now, so, wait a minute. So they can go bankrupt. States can't go bankrupt. Cities can go bankrupt. States cannot. So obviously they've got municipal bonds, I'm sure, yeah, that they owe money a, on. It may be a trash incinerator, right, or a sewage system. Who knows what, but yes. And so now all of a sudden, as these cities start to get ready to file bankruptcy, I think you're going to see Congress uh, have to come to the aid. I mean, I don't see any other way around it. Fairfield, Alabama, it's got to have retirees living all over. You know, living in uh, other states, which, right? again, they should... Pensioners and uh, whatnot. I think that if you get a municipal pension, a state or a city pension, that you should be required to live in the state or municipality. I mean, it would make sense, doesn't it? So the reason we say that, of course, we're Arizona. If you go up north here, and I know we boom in up there in Prescott, thanks to all our listeners in Dewey, and uh, we've got a lot of customers up there. But let's face it. I mean, the area up there is overrun, overrun. With California pensioners. pensioners. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's where they all came because the cost of living is a third of the city that they helped destroy. <laughs> they got the heck out of there. Right. They worked at, oh, I worked at the government. Yes. Oh, I was very important. I ran the uh, building permits in uh, Fairfield, California. Oh, yeah, you did it. How are they doing there? Well, the cost of living is too high and the government is, you know, taxing everybody. Oh, so you had a hand in that. Which, again, the senators... That have run this. Think about some of these senators that are still around. These old timers and the uh, the non term limits. Think of if somebody ever did what what the actual national debt was when they took office. You know, would that be great? Like you had trading cards. You had trading Nancy cards. Pelosi, right? right? The debt was like two trillion dollars. Right. When she came into office, this is what she's done. God, what do you think they get? You get bubble gum. <laughs> So it would mean, stick to her face. Yeah, right? Senate trading cards, you know. I don't know. So I don't know. So you're listening to the two dumbest guys in America, Patriot Radio News Hour. I got a lot of business to cover. 
Uh, but we got a break coming up, so I'll give you a news piece instead here. Harley-Davidson is reopening its factories this week at lower production rates and sending dealers narrower range of motorcycles. Wall Street Journal's reporting this morning the U.S. motorcycle maker, which closed its U.S. plants in March due to the evil, wicked outbreak, may not ship any new motorcycles to 70% of their 700 Can dealers. you say layoffs? Harley. Yeah. And we're not just talking about Harley. All the guys that work at the Harley, de- the dealerships, all of those things. Um, and, again, this is why I said we got the depression stuff with the hyperinflation stuff. The company did not immediately respond to Reuters' request for comment, but Harley, you know their stock symbol? Do you know it? I don't. H-O-G. Oh, hog. That's a great symbol. We'll reopen its plants in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and accelerate production in phases that will be limited to its best-selling models and palette of colors without customizable features. The company has failed for years to increase sales in the United States. You know, they went global, right? They became a global entity. Um, It's tattooed baby boomer consumer base ages. Everybody's fading. Viagra's angels are going into... Riding off into the sunset. Bob Seeger. Roll me away. We'll be back after these messages. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. A daily look at the significant issues of our time from an experienced conservative perspective. Sponsored by Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, this broadcast continues the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly and stands against forces that mock traditional values, slander America, and redefine the family. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. When it comes to November's election, President Trump will have almost four years' worth of reasons to vote for him. His past performance gives him the authority to say that he will do what he promises he will do. With President Trump, we know exactly what we're getting. In fairness, that doesn't really distinguish him from Joe Biden. We don't have to guess where Joe Biden stands on the issues either. He was the vice president for eight years, and before that he was in the U.S. Senate for decades. As a senator, he cast plenty of votes that show exactly how out of sync he is with the American people. Biden may hold himself up as a champion of diversity for promising to nominate the first black woman to the Supreme Court, but don't forget that Joe Biden presided over the Clarence Thomas hearings. It was Biden himself who voted to send the nomination to the floor of the Senate without a recommendation. Justice Thomas has served with distinction for nearly three decades since then, but Biden never apologized for allowing that proceeding to become a high-tech lynching, as Thomas accurately described it. By contrast, President Trump has appointed federal judges, like Thomas, who abide by the Constitution and live up to our conservative principles. Biden's reputation as a moderate can be easily debunked after he gets a Democratic nomination. He supports sanctuary cities and opposes President Trump's policy of deporting criminal aliens. Again, we don't just have to trust Biden's word on this. Just look at his record. When an illegal alien brutally kidnapped, raped, and murdered a 16-year-old girl in Texas, the Obama administration, with Biden as vice president, tried to bail out the alien. That's the kind of policy Biden wants to bring back to the White House. If you want to judge President Trump, just look at his record. If you want to judge Joe Biden, look at his record. The differences are plain for all to see. In just a few months, Americans will have the chance to choose the kind of leadership they want for the next four years. The very safety, health, and freedom of our entire nation is at stake. Choose wisely. 
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Do you like what you see at the Trump White House? Will President Trump continue to advance conservative ideals? At phyllisschlafly.com, you gain complete access to Phyllis Schlafly Eagles news updates and commentaries and can track our work on Capitol Hill. Go online often to phyllisschlafly.com. And thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Patriot Radio News Hour, thanks for tuning in today. We're live, rocking and firing. Uh, I'm Eric Cedarstrom, hamburger helper. Uh, I'm the last of the Mohicans. That's it. I mean, I've learned this industry from the old timers, the guys. I was always the young kid. I was the uh, the whippersnapper as they all took me under their wings, and all of them are dead. So that's it. You know, the uh, new guy, the new people in this industry, the Facebook coin dealers, the certified modern issue gold, MS gold. And I, I say, you got to be kidding me. And Mint State, Silver Eagles, you ever get one in change? No. They were never in cash registers. None of this modern issue. And the difference between real money and legal lawful tender, Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution, is to find this material that has lasted throughout the years that you can still procure and get your hands on that there's still a finite supply of it um, is, to me, just amazing. And I think, I think, and you know my thoughts on this, that we're going to see a commodity super cycle of epic proportions uh, going to be uh, accompanied with hyperinflation, debt defaults, and currency changeovers. And I know, I know, I know, you're right-wing wacko, and you're just doing this to sell gold. I'm here to tell you that I believe this in my heart to be a fact, a fact that I will see the Federal Reserve note fail as we know it. And the debt system wiped out. They will never pay it. And the ushering of a brand new currency. Will the currency be gold? Breaking story out of all places this morning, Bloomberg. Crispin O'Day, one of Europe's highest profile hedge fund managers, said today that governments may ban private gold ownership if they lose control of inflation in the wake of the coronavirus, it is no surprise that people are buying gold. But the authorities may attempt at some point to demonetize gold, making it illegal to own once again in America as a private individual. O'Day wrote in a letter that investors seen by Bloomberg that they will only do this if they feel the need to create a stable unit of account for world trade. Now, either Kristen O'Day is listening to the Patriot Radio News Hour, but rewind 45 days, and that exactly is my sentiment, to restore order, the currency of last resort, is what they will turn to. Of course, O'Day, a long-standing critic of central bank policies, who is known for his apocalyptic predictions, in, again, you have to you had to, you know, discredit this message, increased the gold position of his flagship O'Day European Fund, uh, of course, the to their gold holdings in June, and now they've got just about everything they have in a gold fund some way or another. This is not a coin guy. So the fund is now up 21% in March and down 9.5% in April. Well, the U.S. gold, the real thing, just continues. Premiums are marching on. The fear of government confiscation is a common theme among gold's ardent supporters who point for the president to the U- precedent of the U.S. government's forced purchases, and they go back to 1933 as part of devaluation of the dollar, where the gold was priced at $20 for 100 years. They gave, they offered people, now again, I'm going to cover, again, people have asked me to do this, I'm going to cover this one more time. 
For a hundred years, a $20 bill and a $20 gold piece had parity. They were worth the same. There was no inflation either had, during that period. Right. You had the crash of 29, and then you had the hope, which is what we have today. I mean, anyone mentions a virus cure, anyone mentions any right, stocks rally, and this is where you're getting these identical movements that you got in the early 30s until by 33 they were like, this ain't working. This isn't working. And the money supplies were... The, the gold and silver was real money, and they go, we just can't do this. And yet the creature of Jekyll Island was 18 years old. He had just become an adult. He was 18 years old, and they said, all right, we're going to take all the gold. We're not going to take it. Okay. No, no, no. We're going to give you $20.67. Now, $0.67 cents in silver and copper had incredible buying power. I mean, it's it's got to be equivalent to about $400 of, of beef today. I'm not kidding you. You could buy a side of beef with about with under a dollar at the time. That's how bad it was. So people did it for two reasons. One, if Uncle Sam wants our gold, and they are very patriotic people in this country, 80% of the country was rural, many people were willing and did lay their line uh, ten year, lay their life on the line nine years later for the country. That if Uncle Sam wanted their gold, my God, there must be a good reason. They didn't know it was the Federal Reserve, a private entity. They didn't know that they were confiscating their wealth. But they gave them 67 cents, an extra for the $20 gold piece. And I'm sure a lot of people said they laughed. You believe how dumb this government is? <laughs> Giving us $20.67 for this gold piece. Well, after they got it, they set the world price at $35. And what was funny then is then... Foreign governments thought they were idiots and said, wait a minute, you're going to give me $35 worth of purchasing power for this $20 gold piece, right? And they they sent all kinds of gold back to the U.S. Because, of course, at the time, the U.S. was the China of the world. We were supplying everybody with their, with their goods. And so they, a ton of gold between the confiscation from the citizenry and then the upping of the price and allowing these foreign governments to take a $20 gold piece and buy $35 worth of stuff, a ton of gold entered the coffers of the United States. Well, they all came in and then they went out because the only people that could own gold, that could get paid in gold, were were foreign governments who bought U.S. treasuries. So when, when you could get paid right. in gold. When they matured, all the gold went the other way. It all, all these U.S. gold pieces... 90% of what you people have been buying here for a quarter century came out of Europe. That's correct. They were here in America. They got confiscated. They were sold to Europe through the bondholders. Now, when Nixon closed the gold window, a lot of people think that he pledged the national parks. That's when the U.N. signs started flying in the 70s. The U.N., the national parks are what we guarantee our foreign debt with. But the executive order, 6102, and you can look it up, in 1933, and it was titled to relieve the national existing emergency in banking. Now, why didn't they take all of it? Because they left they left a paragraph, and it's if you look it up, it's Section One, Paragraph B, in the original executive order that says you got to turn in all foreign gold, all bullion. Foreign gold is the first thing they took. So today it would be Krugerrands or maple leaves, maple leaves. It would be sovereigns, pandas, francs, the bearded guy coins. It, all that goes. Yeah. All that goes. But if you, you were allowed to keep items that had, and, and I'm quoting directly Section 1, Paragraph B, items that had a rare and unusual value. So now you look at that. Now, why would they leave that? 
So if you had a $10 Indian, everybody loved the Indians. The Indians were hard to get even back then. You were allowed to keep them. If you study uh, books that are published every year by R.S. Yeoman, a guidebook of U.S. coins, you can get books from the 40s, 50s, 60s that have the value of Indians and St. Gaudens and Liberty. Princesses. Right, and princesses. And so you were allowed to keep items that were considered a rare coins. Why? Why didn't they just take it all? Because if, they, if you said, all right, I'm not turning it in, today they wouldn't get it. They wouldn't get it. They'd be like, all right. All right, we'll give you we'll give you two grand. <laughs> we'll give you two grand. How about three grand? How about four grand? How about five grand an ounce? How about ten grand an ounce? How about twenty grand an ounce? We'll talk more on this. I almost I need hours to cover this. We'll be back after these messages. The gold confiscation drums are beating on Bloomberg this morning. Look it up for yourself. I know it. We all think we're smarter than everybody, but uh, these laws were written, ladies and gentlemen, for a reason. And I'm going to cover them real quick here. I could take, again, hours and hours on gold confiscation. but So why not just give you whatever? So if they said today, all right, we'll give you five grand for an ounce of gold, would you turn it in? Would you turn it in like they do with the banks? They call Patriot Trading Group. They go, we want to make you an agent for the Federal Reserve. Because that's what they did with the banks before. If you had safety deposit boxes, you weren't allowed to open them. They just took them. They were there when you opened it. Had to have a Federal Reserve agent there. Any gold you had, boom, that's ours. Here's your twenty dollars and sixty-seven cents. If I offered you five grand for your bullion today, and your foreign gold, would you sell it? Anything you could put into an IRA. Well, I'm not there yet. Okay. Just hang on. So, so you know, again, sixty-seven cents did it in thirty-three. Who knows what'll do it now? Now, why didn't they take it all? So if you had, you know, nice U.S., nice St. Gaudens gold piece, nice beautiful Liberty gold piece, you were allowed to keep them. They had a recognized value. So you roll up till Nixon closed the gold window. They say now, Wikipedia says Gerald Ford in, in December of 74 because Nixon was impeached. According to Wikipedia, I never heard this, Ford actually signed the final uh, form that made Americans able to own gold again in December of 1984. Right. Now, let's go... 74. 74, I'm sorry, 1974. Now, stay with me. Go to the Taxpayer Relief Act and look up H.R. 3838 from 1986. This is the year they started... Reagan started the Gold Eagle program and tax treatment for gold. This is when they started IRAs. Can you put gold in your IRAs? And what can you put in? Now, again, think confiscation and think of the money that's made. Think of the laws that are in place on liberties in St. Gaudens. Not only were they exempt from confiscation, but they're exempt from mandatory reporting. Bullion is, it doesn't do that. Bullion, you have to, anything over 10 grand, you've got to. And people go, well, I'll just sell it to this dealer, that dealer, that dealer. Well, when gold breaks 10 grand per ounce, that's not going to work out too good for you. So now you're going to be a taxed item and they're going to be following you around. H.R. 38. 38, 1986 says, well, here's what you can't put. You can't put non-confiscatable gold into an IRA. Can't do it. You can't do it. They won't let you put them. You can't put Indians and princesses and beautiful Carson cities. and oh, You can't put any of them in an IRA. Why? Well, when you confiscate gold, getting them out of the IRAs is really easy because you can't even touch them. We'll just go open the drawer for you and write you a check. Same thing with Morgan and Peace dollars. Throw those in there as well. You can't put those in there. can't put any of them in an IRA. So this is the TEFRA law, as they call them, the Taxpayer Relief Act, 
1986, and then the gold bullion eagles came out, voila. What does it say on the brochure? Look it up. Gold bullion. Okay, they're bullion, so that's a tax treatment on those. Private material is still private. can be handed down next generation to generation. Uh, for the years, I mean, now they've changed the law so many times, but avoiding probate and inheritance. So all the people that wrote the laws, this is what they held. Their grandchildren still hold some of this material that has never surfaced again. A lot of people don't know where a lot of the years went and where some of the, the highly desirable low minage material went. It never surfaced again. It's been gone since 33. They know they're out there. They have the minage numbers. They never surfaced again. This is how real wealth is transferred. So the recognized value, the blue laws are supposedly what goes from a collectible to a bullion item is a recognized value. Again, go back to 6102, the executive order of 33, section 1, paragraph B. What gives a recognized value to be classified as a collectible? And that's the 15% rule, which is what they, the accountants used for years and years, that items must have a recognized value, a.k.a. gray sheet, the coin dealer newsletter, a minimum 15% collectible criteria to be classified with collectible treatment, like, like ceramics and Chinese art and classic cars. So, And again, these are the differences from what is bullion and what is a collectible. And these laws are still in place today. So now, out of the blue on Bloomberg, they're talking about one of the one of the highest, largest hedge funds out of Europe says he believes that they're going to try to demonetize gold again like they did in '33 and recall it to make a world super currency. So if the whole world goes into hyperinflation and we print more paper than anybody... In other words, our monetary supply is out is bigger than anybody's. And we've made more digital paper and digital currency and anything that you could possibly imagine and papered the world with it. Which one's going to have the least amount of value? The one with the largest supply? Most likely. Alan Greenspan said it very eloquently that the law of supply and demand has not been repealed. This is why we recommend you hold legal, lawful, constitutional tender do it the way the big boys wrote it get the material that has meets the minimum criteria where you can hold something that has a recognized value that will allow you to function and keep your material in place while the rest of the world has to turn in theirs and i honestly feel we are at the precipice today of unprecedented times where that ultimately they will try to demonetize gold when the currency collapses start and they haven't started yet but when they start, when they start counting up the M2 money supply in this country, and that's where the Fed floods the world, our Fed chief on Sunday on 60 Minutes. Yeah, it sounds like you're just printing money. Well, we have digital currency and we print money too. This is the outcome. So, amazing, isn't it, Joe? So that's- it, it is fascinating, but this is it. This is the history of it. You can look it up yourself. You can see where all of the legislative pieces and what's been, you know, from 1933 to today, what's changed, what hasn't changed. The one thing that's really been constant is what is a bullion item and what is it. And, right. you know, and for the in the U.S., it's actually very simple. Any pre-1933 gold, that, I mean, that's it. 
That is the lone exception on the gold side of things. Right, on privacy as well. We don't break right. the law here. That, that, so, that's the lone exception. My favorite is, I know what you people are thinking. They're not getting my gold. No, 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 no. I'm not turning it in. How much cocaine do you have on you right now? Because um, if they, I'm, I'm out. You're out? I'm, well, I'm, don't worry. Talcum powder. <laughs> They've recalled that. Johnson & Johnson's got rid of talcum powder. They can't get rid of cocaine, but... The eyes of the law, an ounce of gold, and an ounce of cocaine are the same thing. Imagine being in a cell with me. What are you in for? Bullion. <laughs> they locked me up. Steve Miller, Fly Like an Eagle. Thanks for tuning in. People ask. We got a text during the break here. Well, how do I get out if you have more than $10,000 of bullion? Because, well, it's going to take ten ninety nine off to Uncle Sam. You can trade them. You can do like-for-like like trade. Look it up. Ask your accountant. You know yeah. the one thing I do like about the like-for-like trade as well? It resets your price point. Yeah, yeah, your step-up basis. So you go to like-for-like trade. You can trade your bearded guy coins, your sovereigns, your francs, all your foreign gold. You can get out of that. Get out of your Krugerrands, your Canadian gold, your gold bullion modern issue eagles. Just trade them all. It's a like-for-like uh, transaction. It's a uh, non-taxable transaction. When we do them for people, it gives you your cost basis, so we, we show your credit and trade, and you can trade them straight across for private gold, non-confiscatable gold. I mean, will they really recall gold and make a gold-backed currency? I don't know. I really wouldn't be worried. It's not like governments are printing money everywhere, so, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, Why they just digitalize it? People just, when they realize, they're just not going to take the paper. That's where it comes from. Okay, that's where it comes from. They just quit taking it. So... We've seen it throughout history, throughout, I mean, just about every government since the beginning of time to get out of trouble, financial trouble, has debased their money. And this is no exception. we got a great package for you today, uh, something we haven't uh, really ever run ever. We, we've got some beautiful peace dollars. This is the series after the uh, Morgan dollar. They made them halfway through 1921 right up till 1935. They've got the Lady Liberty bust on the on the on the the front side of the coin and on the obverse they're just stunning the eagle and they're just beautiful beautiful and there's not a lot of them they only made them what 15 years or so 14 years and these are all all ms 60 61 or 62 they would all certify but the spread on a peace dollar is not like a morgan so if you get a beautiful ms 60 um and you go okay well i'm going to certify it it's 35 dollars to certify it to take it to an ms 61 so to, for $35 of plastic, the difference only $20. So you lose $15 on it, and they're just incredible. I mean, beautiful, like absolutely brand-new material. We're going to do mini bags of them. Yeah, every one of these piece dollars is gradable, but it's just not worth the cost. It's not at this point. Yeah, at I mean, if point, everything right. just runs away. So those are at uh, 30 bucks. So you can get beautiful be, these are not AUs, not BUs. They're choice uncirculated MS60, 61, and 2. So, And even he tells me there's even some threes in here, but they're stunning, beautiful. When you get them, you're, when you expect a coin that looks like it's brand new, this is what it's going to look like, and even though, you know, they're 90 years old. So you get a, a mini bag of those, 100 of them, mini bag. You get 100 of those, and then we're going to put a $20 gold piece with it, so, so thirty dollars each on the peace dollars. That's three thousand for a mini bag. So you get a hundred of those. We still have twenty-four gold pieces today. Joe bought them this morning. 
Uh, we can do those at two thousand dollars or nineteen ninety five. I'll just round it off two thousand. You can do the pack delivered for five thousand dollars. Add two percent on a credit card. So a hundred U.S. silver dollars, the peace dollars, all beautiful, stunning material. Remember, if you get nice material, you're always going to be happy with it. We found some worn-out, beat-up ones for $25 each. I don't think you should do it. I think you should pay the extra $5 per coin and, and get some really, really nice material. So so do that. A mini bag and a 20. It's a little survival pack for five grand. 24 packages or so, I think. Yep, That's 24 it. is it. 800 951 Radio News Hour. We'll be back tomorrow. Everyone, take care. God bless.